Welcome back to the Flow and Flourish podcast. I am your host, Nicole Roan, the Capacity Coach, and I am excited that you joined me today. If this is your very first time tuning in, then welcome to your sister friend tribe where we talk openly and honestly about all the things that can take up our capacity and keep us from flowing and flourishing the way that we want to and were designed to do. If you haven't already checked out the first five or six episodes that talk about the five different pillars of flow, then I'm going to ask you to go on back, check those out, because it's really the basis of this entire podcast. And I help break it down so that you understand how each and every one of those five different areas really impacts your ability to flow and flourish in both your personal and your professional life. If you've been rocking with me for the last year or so, then you already know this podcast is my baby. It's my pride and joy. It's where I really get a chance to talk about some of the things that mean a lot to me that I've experienced both personally and professionally, and not just talking about it to be talking about it, but to actually give you tips and tools and resources to help navigate this thing called life. And today is no exception. And I have to be very, very honest. I was so nervous about putting this episode out and it was supposed to go out last week, but you know what? I prayed on it and I know that this episode needs to happen. And there are so many women that need to hear this because I realized in doing my research that I'm not the only one who has felt this way. And so today we're going to be talking about being a black woman in corporate America. And what does that really mean? What does it look like? What does it feel like? How do we navigate through that? Because if you are a black woman, you already know it's a lot. It comes with so, so, so much. So I'm going to break some of that down throughout the episode today. But first, I do want to let you know that this episode is being brought to you by my Balance Booster. This is an intensive one-on-one coaching session where I help you work through one area of flow to figure out why you're stuck, to help you get clear on what your next best step is, whether it's in your personal life or your professional life. It's an opportunity to work with me so that you can flow and flourish. And you can book that on my website. It's here in the show notes, all over social media. So if you were looking for someone to help you on your journey, of creating the life that you desire, I am here to help you. Now, let's get into this episode. I don't think I've ever talked here on the podcast about my overall corporate experience and how I got you know, into the HR roles and becoming a leader and whatnot. And so I do wanna go back a little bit and just to give you a bigger picture. I got my first corporate job probably when I was about 19, I want to say. And at the time, I was a new mom, a single mom, and I knew that I needed to make good money. So I went into corporate and I started in the customer service department and worked my way up to receptionist. And then from there, just continued to grow in my experience and expertise. And I tell everybody all the time that my foundation for business in and of itself was in those administrative roles as a receptionist, as an office manager, as an executive assistant. And it really allowed me the opportunity to see how businesses worked when it came to operations, hiring, firing, all of those different things. 
And even way back to when I was 19, I can remember being the only or one of the few people who looked like me. And I didn't understand why and kind of chalked it up to me being young at the time. But even in my most recent career experience, that has still been the case. I've been one of few Black women in leadership roles. As I was doing my research in preparation for this episode, I was shocked to find out that at least 54% of other Black women say that they are the only person or one of the few Black people in the room at work. Like, how is that possible in this day and age? And the answer to that is unconscious and conscious bias, as well as systemic racism that still exists. And I know nobody wants to hear that, but that's the truth. And I'm telling you from not only my own experience, but from the tons and tons of research that not only I've read, but that is continuing to be published around what it's like to be Black and a woman while working in corporate America. And I'm going to dive into this a little bit more, but first I really want to give you the definition of what racism is because we hear it tossed around over and over. I know I've heard it, right? And I never in my mind would have thought that it would exist in the workplace. But let me tell you what racism is. It's the belief that different races possess distinct characteristics, abilities, or qualities especially so as to distinguish them as inferior or superior to one another. And so when you think about how racism shows up in everyday life, in the news, in the streets, at the stores, and when you put that lens on and apply it to corporate America, the numbers start to make sense. It makes sense as to why Black women only hold 1% of C-suite positions throughout the United States. It starts to make sense why myself and so many other Black women are continuing to be the only woman or the only Black person in the room or one of the few Black people in the entire company. It's because of racism and that bias I talked about, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And so I want to give you the definition of unconscious bias really quick. And then I'm going to move on and talk a little bit about some of these stats that I have and really give some tips on, you know, what we can do as black women to work through this, as well as if you are a business owner, what you can do to help stop this, to help make a difference. So here is the definition of what bias is. It's a prejudice in favor of or against one thing, person, or group compared with another, usually in a way that's considered to be unfair. And then again, these biases can be conscious or unconscious. Unconscious biases are those social stereotypes about certain groups of people that individuals usually form outside of their own conscious awareness. So they're not really even aware that they have this bias. And I want to point out, too, that this form of unconscious bias is much more common than that conscious kind of bias and prejudice, because it's stuff that 
has been ingrained in you. It's rooted in you. And everybody has unconscious bias. I do, you do, everybody does. And so in my time in corporate, I spent a great deal of time and energy working on training leadership on how to manage unconscious bias. And I'm not going to get into all of that here because what I want to do is really, number one, let my listeners know as Black women, you are not alone. I felt it. I get it. I see it. And I feel it is my duty and obligation to call it out. Because if we don't talk about it, if we don't use our platforms, our voices to say something, things will stay the same. I have a daughter. I have goddaughters. I have friends, aunties families, and most of us have been in corporate or are still in corporate. And it's important to be able to call a thing a thing. So I gave that context about the different biases and racism so that we understand. And to all my non-melanated people that are listening, I want you to listen real close. It is your duty and obligation to really listen to this and hear me later. Hear my words when you're in a meeting full of other people that look like you and in walks someone who looks like me and there begin to be questions around why I'm in the room. Think about this podcast and remember my words as you walk around the office or sit on Zoom calls and see more people that look like you than you do that look like me. So I want you to see with your eyes and pair that with what I'm saying in this podcast, because it's all of our duty and responsibility to create a diverse, equitable, and inclusive work environment. It starts with each and every one of us. Okay, so I want to go back to one of the things that I said earlier in the podcast, and it was around me literally experiencing being the only woman and or the only black woman and or the only black person in the room at most of the organizations that I've worked in. And that stems way back to when I was 19, right? And again, it is very, very ever-present now. And over 54% of Black women have experienced that. And as a result of that, there are a couple of things that come up that I want to point out. Number one, when you are consistently the only person that looks like you, in the room or in the entire organization, it sends the message to us as Black women that we don't belong there and that these places and spaces are built for people who do not look like us. So that perpetuates the imposter syndrome feeling of we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're only here to check a box. Yes, I'm talking about that diversity box. On top of the added pressure of feeling like we represent our entire race. And I want to pause there for a second because I want to know how many of you listening have been the token black person, token black woman. And so everybody came to you for any and everything black. And I know this was especially traumatic for me because during all of the things with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, all of those things that were happening, it was myself and one other lady, Black lady, in the HR department who were getting all the questions around why this, how do we do that? Even to the point where the CEO came to us 
as the two black people in leadership in this 500 person organization to say, hey, how do we deal with this? And that's a whole lot of pressure. Can you imagine being the only white person or the only Asian person or the only man in a room full or company full of people who do not look like you, who are not the same gender as you, and being responsible for explaining your entire existence to them so that they can understand why you all do the things that you do and how to deal with you. That's ridiculous, but it happens every single day to us as Black women across America and corporate. And with that, you know, I talked about the feeling like we represent the entire race. There also comes this feeling of if I don't make the cut, if I don't do this perfectly, they will never hire another Black person outside of me. So on top of being able to represent the entire race, we feel like we have to do it better than anybody else because everybody else's success behind us is depending on me. Anybody else out there ever feel like that? I know you do because it's in the research. So many of us are secretly feeling these ways and feel so uncomfortable bringing it up because we don't want to lose our jobs. We don't want to feel ungrateful. We don't want to mess it up for anybody else. But holding on to this literally takes up our mental and emotional capacity, which impacts how we show up to work. It impacts how we show up at home to our families. It impacts our ability to be resilient. It's a lot to carry all of that, but we're expected to do it with a smile and to not say anything about it because we should be grateful that we're just in the room. But we're tired of that. We don't want to just be in the room. We want our opinions, our knowledge, our expertise to be valued, to be sought after and appreciated. But the reality is for most Black women, when we're in these rooms and at these tables, we've heard someone express surprise at us being in the room, at our skills, at our abilities, at our promotion, and that diminishes everything. In fact, it's been my experience as well. In my last role, I met with all of our senior leaders, our managers on a regular basis to talk about performance, to make sure that their people management and business management were on par with one another because you can't have one without the other, right? And there was a white man who saw my name on the little placard outside of my office, looked at the placard, looked at me, looked back at the placard, walked down the office to my white VP to ask her, where did Nicole Roan sit? Came back to my office, looked at me and said, are you Nicole? Yeah, I'm Nicole. And so to make light of the situation, I said, who were you expecting? And he started to stutter. And when I tell you that man stood outside of my office, would not even give me the dignity to walk in until I said, sir, I'm sure we have to discuss confidential information. I need you to come in and have a seat and close the door. He didn't even want to talk about business. He wanted to talk about my background. How did I get here? Can you imagine having to explain yourself every single time? Because just based on your appearance, People don't believe that you belong there. 
And we wonder why women, especially Black women, are leaving corporate in droves because of things like this. I can also recall in a previous role as an HR business partner, working with a white woman who was new to the organization as a VP in marketing. And I'd given her instructions on how to work through restructuring the job description, making it go from exempt to non-exempt or vice versa. And I remember having my master's degree in HR behind me. And because she didn't like my approach, not only did she look at my degree and look at me and then say, oh, you can get a degree in HR? I had no idea. Which, of course, was ready to send me through the roof. But as a professional, I kept it together. She went even further to say, I don't believe you know what you're talking about. I'm going to call whoever it was at the time who was in Canada. Those experiences are happening all the time. And those are the things that nobody's talking about. The demeaning, the belittling, the complete disregard for us as Black women, our education, our hard work, as if none of that matters because we're Black. And I want to ask this too. How many of you listening, and I know I'm going to get some head nods, some laughs, and some hands raised to this. How many of you listening have ever had a coworker say, oh my gosh, what did you do to your hair? Because it was 12 inches longer when you came to work on Monday. Or ask, can I touch your hair? Or said, hey, your hair is so neat. What does that even mean? I don't know another person on the planet that gets approached and talked to that way. What does that have to do with anything? And then the people get mad when you push back and tell them, A, I'm not a dog. You cannot pet me. B, mind your business. What does it matter whether this is my hair or not? Or C, when you go and complain about them. It's just a joke. It's not just a joke. All of these little experiences add up and they're the sum of why it's such a struggle for black women to be themselves at work. And I want you to think about this for a second. If we cannot be ourselves in the place that we spend more time than we do in our own homes, how do you think that's affecting us? We have to hide who we are, try to water down our personalities, our hairstyles, our tone of voice, all of those things so that we can fit in and still not be promoted or accepted because there's this lens of racism and unconscious bias. Over 49% of Black women feel that their race makes it harder for them to get a raise or promotion. And the numbers reflect the accuracy of that. Because although Black women make up about 13% of the entire population in the U.S., we account for about 7% of professional managerial roles. And I mentioned earlier, less than 2%, either 1.4 or 1.6% of those executive level roles. While white women account for at least 27%. So are you going to believe me or my lying eyes, as my dad used to say? We see what it is. And so we have to take a stand against that. And so I want to get into some of the ways that you as a Black woman can combat these things 
as well as how business owners, corporations, and our allies can combat this as well. I want to start with the business owners and the corporations. There are a whole lot of things that you can do, but I'm going to give you three key things. And as listeners, feel free to share this podcast with your coworkers, with your leadership, all of these different things, because this is coming from a space of me being in corporate America at billion dollar organizations, Fortune 500 organizations, really small startup organizations. It's been pretty consistent across the board. So this is coming from a place of knowledge and expertise. Number one, the best thing that you can do is to actually hire and promote Black women. Remember how I said earlier that when we don't see people that look like us, it automatically sends that signal that we are the outcasts, we don't belong here. We need to start seeing people that look like us so that we don't always feel as though we have to assimilate and hide who we are or cover ourselves, as it's called in unconscious bias training. But we need to start seeing people that look like us. That's the number one way for you to start making a difference. And in order to do that, this goes with number one. Commit to hiring practices that have diversity, equity, and inclusion targets. So don't just talk the talk. I need you to walk the talk because how your organization or business is run is based on leadership. It's top down. So your people are going to reflect the leadership. This is not just an HR conversation. It's a leadership conversation. And in order to have those conversations, number three is to invest in training, all the trainings, okay? And make the trainings mandatory from unconscious bias training to really digging in and diving deep and helping your leaders, managers, and all employees understand the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and not just checking a box, will not only be beneficial to you and your profit margins, because by the way, investing in diversity, equity, and inclusion increases your profit margin by at least 29%, check the research yourself, but it also creates a dynamic company culture where employees do feel valued. They do feel like they belong, i.e. inclusion. It makes a difference. And one of the other trainings that you really need to consider is anti-racism training. Remember when I said we got to call a thing a thing? This is the thing. I've seen and hosted tons of unconscious bias trainings. And as an HR leader and business owner, it's just as important to do these anti-racism trainings. Because believe it or not, a lot of us don't believe that we're racist. But we are. And it stems from the unconscious bias. And so we have to address that. We can no longer ignore, pretend, dismiss the impact that these actions and behaviors have on employees. And before I address all of my Black women with all the Black girl magic, I do want to say to all of my non-melanated listeners, just because you may not be the business owner or decision maker, at the end of the day, you are a coworker and likely a friend 
to the black women in your organization. And if you call yourself a true friend, when you see something, say something. We need you to speak up. We cannot do this just by ourselves. And I know that I have experienced friends and coworkers of all nationalities, shapes, sizes, national origins, sexes, races, religions, all of those different things. And I'm fortunate to have had people who have stood up for me, who have spoken up for me that have not looked like me. So if you want to do something to help, you have the ability to speak up. And I'll leave that there. All right, Black Girl Magic, listen up. I know, as I said, from personal experience, how tough it is to be a Black woman in corporate America, especially when you are educated, ambitious, driven. And I know this may not be the experience of everybody, but a good majority of us, again, are experiencing this. So I want to give you some tips on how to navigate through this hot mess, okay? Number one, because I have been in HR and I've experienced working with a variety of HR professionals, I'm going to tell you to connect with HR. In most organizations, believe it or not, human resources is there to help you. We are where the policies happen. We are where the enforcement happens. We are where those uncomfortable conversations happen. I need you to speak up and express how you feel, what you've been experiencing, and build a relationship with your HR people. There's got to be somebody that you trust at work. You cannot just tell your coworker who can't do nothing about what you're going through, who cannot advocate on your behalf to the point where there are consequences for blatant disrespect, blatant discrimination, blatant toxic behavior from other coworkers and managers. Human resources can help you with that. And if you don't know how to start that conversation or have that conversation, listen, sis, you got me. I'm HR in your back pocket. I can tell you how to start and have those conversations. So reach out to me. We have to be able to help each other. But just like everything else, you can't fix what you don't face. And HR has to know. And they have to hear it from you, not somebody else. So build your relationship with human resources, okay? Number two, I found in my research that about 59% of us Black women have never had an informal interaction with senior leadership. And while I know we might rely on our managers or the leaders themselves to introduce us or introduce themselves, you can introduce yourself. And yeah, it might be a little bit awkward, but let me tell you something. With everybody being on Zoom and now going back into the office, you have the ability and the opportunity to introduce yourself. I am constantly telling people in both their personal and professional lives, you are your brand, you own your career, and you don't have to wait for anybody to do anything. One of the things that I used to do when I wanted to get to know some of the leadership was look them up on LinkedIn and send an email from my work email address to say, hey, I noticed we went to the same school or I noticed you used to work at X, Y, and Z. I recently started here and just wanted to introduce myself. You would be amazed at how much of a difference that makes to at least start a conversation. So my advice is don't wait for somebody to introduce you to senior leadership. 
Take control of your career by yourself. Advocate for yourself. Speak up. That is the only way that I was able to get into an HR leadership role. Didn't nobody introduce me to anybody. I had to be my own advocate. And I'm sure you may already know that. And I know, again, it might be uncomfortable. But if you desire to grow and you want to take that ambition to the C-suite, you're going to have to advocate for yourself. Now, number three, if you find yourself in one of these roles where you are constantly picked over, degraded, belittled, or you just know after being with the company for X amount of years, you aren't going anywhere, I need you to take all of your Black excellence and Black girl magic and go somewhere else. Whether you're starting your own business or looking for an organization that actually walks the talk when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Do not stay where you are not appreciated. I know the money's good. I know the office is nice. I know you have tenure. There are all of these things. But is your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health worth staying there? I talked about this in another episode, I believe it was maybe nine or 10, about being in toxic relationships, and that goes for work. Do not stay in an environment where you cannot thrive. And if you need help pivoting from your role, again, I am here to help you. I let that lie and those perks and all of those different things keep me in bondage, in roles where I was disrespected where I was disregarded, where I was screamed at because I was the breadwinner, because the benefits were good, because I was making six figures. It's not worth it. And you deserve so much more than that. And so I want to encourage you to do all three of those things. Again, number one, build a relationship with HR. Number two, speak up and advocate for yourself. And number three, if the company you work for is not in alignment, with your values, with your boundaries, with how you want to be treated, with your desire to grow, I'm pretty sure you're in an at-will state and you have the ability to go. So do yourself, your family, your friends, the business a favor and take your gifts and talents elsewhere, okay? Now, I know this episode was kind of heavy and you probably can understand after listening to it why it's taken me two weeks to really even just get it out there. I've gone back and forth and done editing on editing and redoing and all of that, but it is what it is. I am speaking from my heart. I am speaking from my experience and I have nothing but the desire for us to continue to be in these environments so that we can help businesses thrive, so that we can help ourselves grow and bring all this black girl magic to the places that need it. But we can't do it on black girl magic alone. We need help, we need support. We need policies, programs, and actions that are committed to seeing the value and tapping into our resources so that it's utilized and not just there to check a box, okay? Now, as for next week, we are going to be back on schedule. You will have the episodes on Tuesdays. I have so many phenomenal guests that are coming up. And next week is no exception. I have my girl, the Marsha Ann Donaldson 
from Jamaica, man, who is going to be talking to us about activating our greatness. So make sure you tune in. Again, I know this episode was a little heavy for me, especially because I've been so tied to corporate and I said a lot of things that I haven't had a chance to say. And so I want to be that voice and I want to empower you to be that voice. So share this with everybody that needs to hear it. You know, I welcome your feedback, your comments, your questions, connect with me on social media. Let me know what stood out for you, what's helping you. I am here for it all. Until next week, ladies, and I know there's probably a couple of gents too. Everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. I thank you for taking the time to really do something about managing your capacity. And as always, I want you to know that I look forward to being your capacity coach and helping you create balance between your personal and professional life without ever having to sacrifice yourself, your family, and what matters most to you. I will talk to you next week.